This is Evidence-Based GI, and I'm Philip Schoenfeld, Editor-in-Chief. Today, we'll be discussing how to train GI fellows to effectively perform cold snare polypectomy of small polyps with Associate Editor Swati Patel, who is Associate Professor of Medicine at the University of Colorado Anschutz School of Medicine. We'll be discussing her summary from the September 2023 issue of Evidence-Based GI, which summarizes a study that's currently impressed with the American Journal of Gastroenterology entitled Varied Trainee Competence in Cold Snare Polypectomy, Results of the Complete Randomized Control Trial. So welcome back, Dr. Patel. And as always, let's just start out by discussing why it's important to properly train GI fellows in the performance of cold snare polypectomy. Thanks for having me, Dr. Schoenfeld. Well, you know, as our audience knows, uh, a cornerstone of high-quality colonoscopy is safe and effective removal of colorectal polyps. That's really how we're able to prevent colorectal cancer. Unfortunately, up to 20% of all colon cancers that occur after uh, colonoscopy are because of incomplete resection. And this was highlighted by a previous evidence-based GI summary on the rates of post-colonoscopy colorectal cancer within the Kaiser system, showing that really when looking at all the post-colonoscopy colorectal cancers, 10 to 20% are because of incomplete polyp resection. We also know that incomplete polyp resection is associated with a higher risk of future, not just colorectal polyps in the same segment of the colon, but advanced colorectal polyps, as was also highlighted by an evidence-based GI summary over the last year or so from the CARE study. So it's really, really important for our trainees to graduate from fellowship having the skill set to completely and safely remove polyps. And polyps under a centimeter are the most common kind of size of polyps that we find. And based on the U.S. Multi-Society Task Force recommendations, we should be removing these polyps with cold snare technique. But we don't know what training program or what uh, curriculum is ideal to ensure our trainees graduate competent in removing these polyps completely and safely. And so that was really the rationale for this study in looking at cold snare polypectomy among trainees is assessing, you know, whether our trainees uh, achieve competence by the end of their fellowship and looking at the potential use of video-based feedback to see if that can accelerate competence. Sure. I mean, I think Our listeners understand that you certainly need to completely resect polyps with cold snare polypectomy in order to prevent colorectal cancer. I think it might be helpful, though, just to remind our listeners what goes into optimal cold snare polypectomy technique. For me, I think about optimizing the visualization of the polyp, trying to rotate the scope so that it's in about a five or six o'clock position using the hands on a clock, making sure the scope's stabilized so it's not going to move back and forth once you do that. And also, I think most importantly, or one of the most important things, getting a nice rim of normal tissue resected around the polyp so you feel like you've you're getting a complete resection. Are there other things that really come to mind when you think about this, Dr. Patel? You know, there are. And really, when we think about competence, it's it's important to break down the individual steps of a successful cold snare polypectomy. And you outlined 
many of those, you know, visualizing the polyp, cleansing the area, achieving a stable scope position uh, with the polyp in the five or six o'clock position. But even once the snare is within the working channel, it's important to keep the scope close to the polyp and your tool close to the scope to have as much control as possible over the maneuver. It's important to direct the snare over the lesion. And then before closing the snare to anchor the sheath of the snare several millimeters distal to the polyp. And that's really what can allow us to achieve that nice rim of normal tissue when uh, the tissue is resected. Along with that, you know, ensuring there's a proper amount of tissue within the snare such that we can have confidence that the snare will actually cut the tissue. And then once the polyp has been removed, making sure that it's retrieved through the suction channel and then washing and cleansing the post-polypectomy site to ensure that it's completely removed. And so as you can, though for practicing endoscopists, all of this happens within seconds, in order for us to really uh, know whether a trainee is competent or not, what Dr. Kaltenbach and her group did was really adapt a previously established tool, the DAPIS tool, which was uh, the direct observation of polypectomy skills tool that was developed in, uh, from the St. Mark's group in London, and customize it to cold snare polypectomy. And essentially, this group developed a 12-item tool that kind of goes through each of these steps in a very structured, systematic way and uh, allows an external expert or rater to assess whether a trainee has achieved competence in each one of these individual steps. So not just a global assessment of, sure, that looks competent, but really looking at all the different steps and rating them as either expert level competence, which would be a score of four, um, or you know, a score of three, which is competent and acceptable without any errors that require correction versus a score of incompetent, which would be a score of one or two where the trainee requires uh, correction and really needs a trainer to intervene and complete the procedure. And that's part of what I believe is called the cold snare polypectomy assessment tool, which as you said, is a validated tool. And I'd encourage our listeners to look at your review in evidence-based GI because that's one of the references. And that's just so crucial because we're used to just the apprentice system where we train by having a, a faculty looking over our shoulder and giving us feedback as we're doing the polypectomy. But as you mentioned, this study is really looking at whether terminal feedback, meaning looking at videotapes of 20 or so polypectomies and getting feedback from a trainer about different approaches, will be helpful to improve the learning curve for our GI fellows who are doing cold snare polypectomy. And that's really what Dr. Kaltenbach and her colleagues did in this study, that they randomized 22 second and third year GI fellows who had already completed 140 colonoscopies to either enter a control arm where they just kept doing colonoscopy and cold snare polypectomy with concurrent feedback under the apprentice system, or in addition to that, also got video-based feedback every two weeks with a trainer who looked at the videos of that trainee as well as showing them videos of expert experts removing polyps to help them understand the best way to 
take off those polyps. And then, as you said, over the course then, the next 100 plus polypectomies in blocks of 20, there was an assessment of whether or not the trainee had done an adequate job removing the polyp using the cold snare polypectomy assessment tool. And the results are, are a little bit surprising to me. It showed that the learning curve is improved with the additional video-based feedback, but ultimately zero out of the 10 trainees in the standard or control group had achieved adequate cold snare polypectomy with a mean score of three on that one to four scale for their last 20 polypectomies versus two out of the 12 who were getting the video feedback. So ultimately, most of these trainees still had not achieved competency at cold snare polypectomy, at least not consistently, by the time they had finished their next 100 plus polypectomies. That's kind of a rough approximation of the study. Let me just pause here for a second. Are there major points you want to you comment on from this, Dr. Patel? Yeah, I think I echo your reaction. We were also surprised. You know, cold snare polypectomy is one of the most common interventions in colonoscopy, and our trainees certainly get a lot of exposure and experience with this. And so it was humbling to learn that only two out of the 22 trainees in the in the study actually achieved competence by the end of the study. And I think the take-home is that although it's a commonly performed skill, it requires quite a bit of training and experience to truly achieve competence. And so I think the the learning curve is very, very slow and likely continues even after matriculation from a GI program and requires intentional practice uh, several, you know, in the first several years out in practice to make sure that practicing endoscopists continue to improve their technique and achieve overall competence. I think, um, you know, one of the very interesting parts of this study was that, you know, we were optimistic that that feedback would improve competence. And we did find that those that were in the, the video-based feedback arm had an accelerated path towards competence. And so I think, you know, that was a really helpful take-home because it really reinforced that providing trainees with structured terminal feedback at regular intervals on not just how polypectomy should go, but specifically looking at their videos and looking at specific stations where they were struggling, meaning in all these components that you and I talked about, if there were specific areas that a particular trainee was struggling with, that customizing feedback using those videos was actually quite helpful in accelerating the curve. With that said, the learning curve was still very, very long, um, and it requires a lot more polypectomies than I think we are necessarily exposing our trainees to, to truly achieve optimal performance by the end of their fellowship. I think that really speaks to the idea. We need to make sure our GI fellows do a lot of polypectomies because the learning curve for doing appropriate cold snare polypectomy is quite long. And this study really raises the issue about supplementing that apprentice-based feedback that occurs in real time between a GI fellow and the staff endoscopist that we want to supplement that with some video-based feedback where GI fellows are looking at their videos of when they do cold snare polypectomy along with a faculty and looking at expert experts perform cold snare polypectomy. And that's something we discussed. I, I know 
you're thinking about different ways that you might implement this at your own program. And maybe you can talk about that a little bit. Absolutely. So I think one of the most important things is I try to emphasize to our trainees that this is a skill that will take a long time to develop and that they should embrace humility in this and understand that they may not completely master it by the end of their fellowship, but to acknowledge sort of the limitations of their of their practice, even when they enter independent practice and continue to seek opportunities to improve. Within our training program specifically, one of the challenges is that it's very difficult to review all consecutive polypectomies independently using the CSPAT tool in terms of this trainer availability and bandwidth. And so an alternative approach is really uh, to do so at regular intervals and still leverage the the kind of methodology in this study to look at videos of specific polypectomies that trainees perform alongside expert polypectomies and go through the stations outlined in CSPAT and talk through with the trainee where they're struggling, where they're doing quite well, and talk through strategies to improve. I think that is something that has been very useful in our training program. And then the other thing that we're potentially looking at is the role of self-assessment. And, you know, if we are video recording all of these polypectomies or if there's training programs that have the ability to do so, to, to see, you know, whether trainees can sort of take a leading role in assessing their own polypectomies and implementing video-based feedback in assessing their polypectomies alongside expert polypectomies and seeing whether self-guided or self-assessment can also be a good supplement to trainer-directed feedback. And I think one other point from your summary also deserves mentioning, which is the fact that I think the trainees, as well as more established gastroenterologists, should embrace some humility about doing polypectomies. Obviously, we're talking in this study about cold snare polypectomy of lesions that are less than a centimeter in size, but I certainly consider myself a good but average endoscopist. And I don't feel any shame about recognizing when a large black polyp might be beyond my skill set to remove and that it's fine to just tattoo the area and take a pinch biopsy of that polyp, maybe right from the top, and then refer it on to an advanced endoscopist who has a extended block of time to do an advanced polypectomy that, you know, that's okay to do. And you don't want to get yourself in over your head trying to scrape off a polyp that is maybe beyond your skill set. Absolutely. And I think one of the practical concerns that endoscopists have is that they don't want to inconvenience the patient. You know, they don't want to make the patient go through a second bowel prep and come back for another appointment. But in in my experience, I think patients understand the stakes. And when we're talking about pre-cancer, explaining to the patient that the best shot is the first shot, you know, most patients that I've encountered have expressed gratitude that an endoscopist has, you know, acknowledged their limitations and wants to set the patient up for the best chance of success with the big picture goal of being cancer prevention. So I think, you know, humility and then also trusting that your patient will appreciate you doing the best for them, even if that means one additional procedure. Absolutely. Thanks again for joining us today. For our listeners, please remember to subscribe to Evidence-Based GI on your favorite podcast platform. 
follow us on Twitter at ACG underscore EBGI, where we host tutorials every Wednesday. And look for that blast email from the ACG, which should come out on September 13th with the new issue of Evidence-Based GI. Thanks again for joining us today.